all and welcome to edition 136 of On The Ball, the, the, the latest noise. Oh wow, I've written that really badly. Oh, it's take two. Hello all and welcome to edition 136 of On The Ball, the latest dose of noise to be ignored by Norwich City. I'm Michael Bailey. Joining us for the pod is Norwich number one chief at NCFC numbers, also known as our very own Steve Sanders. Hi, Michael. And former Norwich City head of content and program editor, Dan Brigham. Hello, Michael. And also a corrected version of the intro, <laughs> uh, which uh, which I'm going to edit out of the audio. <laughs> I probably, probably best. Uh, so there we go. Sorry about that. Uh, together tonight, we will work through City's opening double bubble, Max's parting gift, and all aboard the 136-point train. Steady on. Now's our chance. Come on, let's make a pod. I've not dropped that line since the last <laughs> pod. I probably should have done, but there we go. Uh, thanks for joining us, everyone. Hope you're all well out there. Um, how are we doing, Steve? How are you? Very good. Uh, very good, actually. Like I, I'm, I'm, I'm well up for it again. I, I just can't. I can't remember the last time I felt excited to, to come on this. No, no, to to talk about Norwich City. You know, it's. Uh, uh, it, it feels it feels like something's happening, um, but you know, two games, so got to got to stay grounded. Um, but yeah, very very excited to be talking about it. I think. Well, this is it. We're going to up the levels because when we did our preview podcast, some people said it was the, one of the most miserable things they'd ever experienced, <laughs> <laughs> which I thought was a tad harsh, but also um, you know, that's hey, everyone's entitled to an opinion if that's what they think. You can't argue with it. So that is. I think that we we should put it on the uh, put it on the trailer for the whole season. You know, we should trail it. A miserable experience for all involved. Let's hope the gap between this podcast and Norwich City reality continues to be vast. Um, Daniel, how are you? I'm good, thank you, Michael. Very happy to be back. Yes, lovely. And I guess, like Steve as well, the, my enthusiasm levels have <laughs> gone through the roof. Gone through the roof. I think what was it? August the fourth. Gone 4th? through the Louvre. <laughs> good start. <laughs> I think the day before the whole game, I, my, I had no enthusiasm for it really at all. Just on a come down from the ashes as well, which I absolutely loved. And then the thought of having to watch championship football again was unappealing. But it's amazing what six goals and two good performances can can do to you. Just show sort of the fickle nature of it, I suppose. But yeah, very in, infused now and uh, looking forward to the next 44 games this season. That's the spirit. And all those 136 points. Uh Thanks uh, for those watching us live on your chosen uh, on your chosen social media platform. We want to hear from you during the recording, so please get in touch. Anything you want us to talk about, anything you want to ask us, anything you want to say, file it through on YouTube or Facebook or hopefully Twitter. I'll keep an eye on that myself, and uh, we will endeavour to look at those over the course of the next forty minutes. Also, strict deadline tonight, I've decided. Uh, and if you're listening live, if you're not listening live, actually, if you are like the opposite of listening live, which is not listening live, but listening in the future, and you want to get in touch as well, then you can do that by emailing us at Twitterkers, Twitter, K-E-R-S, at iCloud.com. I haven't changed that address to Xkers, because that would be silly. Let's crack on with uh, this season's first. Oh, no, that's from last week. Uh, as you can see, we are completely <laughs> underprepared. I had two weeks to prepare, prepare for this podcast. That also means I'm probably going to leave in the error at the start now as well, because this is too much fun. All the errors are staying in, because that's this podcast. Let's crack on for the second time this season with our headline act.
the reality, of course, is I am a high class professional and all of these mistakes are purely there for bants. Uh, right, crack on then, shall we? It's a promising start. It's a promising start. Norwich City beat Hull at home. Carrow Road was a wonderful place. Everyone who was there pretty much. I mean, I haven't spoken to everyone who was there, but a lot of people who were there said how it was the first time in a long time they had felt they had felt something <laughs> at Carrow Road, which is obviously delightful. Uh, and then, of course, we got all the fun at Southampton. Um, one of the most lively games I've seen in a very long time. And um, loads of stuff to unpick from that as well. Uh, we won't go through all the details, of course, especially as Hull was like a week ago. But what has been most promising for you guys? Steve, would you like to go first? What's, what's really floated your boat in these 180 minutes of championship spectacular? God, I mean, there's been a lot. Um, and yeah, I did I did feel like we came away from the pod a couple of weeks ago, whenever it was, maybe being a little bit too down on them. Um, that's easy to say with the benefit of hindsight. And maybe I'm about to get carried away um, after, what, less than 5% of the Go season. On. Go um, on, 136 points, Steve. Oh, yeah, well, at least 130, right? I mean, let's not, let's not be silly, but yeah, at least 130. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I think... It's it's just absolute chalk and cheese from what we saw last season. And I think the, the difference was apparent sort of first five, ten minutes of that whole game. And it's kind of continued since then. Obviously, you know, still a few things tying out. They've conceded a few goals. But, um, you know, Zoe said it in a couple of weeks ago, she just wanted to feel again. And I think that it's, that's been the main thing. It's almost the, the points weren't necessarily that important or aren't necessarily that important at this stage although let's be fair four points I think um you know you'd have to have been certified to have expected any more than that you know two weeks ago so so yeah let's let's not knock that but I think you know that there seems to be a tangible plan they seem to be fitter um they're, they're buying into what Wagner wants them to do seemingly all of a sudden and I think it can't be um, understated or overstated or whichever state where you state it, um, the, the difference the new signings have made. I, I just think Barnes, um, although he hasn't scored yet, um, has just, just makes, you know, basically signed me up for 46 games of him backing his ass into centre-halves and, you know, <laughs> making a nuisance of himself. Stacey, I think, has been brilliant. Um, and they have unearthed, I think the ace in the pack is uh, is is J Row. Like you know, he he has come in and performed way above what I expected in in the first two games. Obviously scored in them both, um, and yeah, there just seems to be a new level of belief. Now I know we didn't win and we could have won and it could have been six points, but I think let, let's be fair. I don't think we could have asked for much better than those first two games. Um, so yeah. It, it it suddenly feels exciting to be an Norwich fan again. And, and it's been a while since we've been able to say that, I think. True. Um, Jay Rowe is, of course, Jonathan Rowe. And I'm only clarifying that because maybe the next time I type it, I'll end up writing Joe Rowe by accident again. Correct. Which it happily corrected <laughs> me last time. Um, scored two fantastic goals, Mr. Rowe, um, which is really good because I think he, he, he was someone who we generally gen, genuinely said we'd seen some real promise from in pre-season. So it's lovely when a player does that. And that can be a catalyst for them doing it during the season because that's effectively what Todd Cantwell did in his proper breakthrough season. He looked good in pre-season and then really took it on into the competitive stuff. Um, uh, I mean, and it's true, isn't it, Dan? I mean, Norwich are playing, I find it really interesting. They're playing really aggressive football 
Uh, they're playing, they look really strong. They're moving the ball really quickly. They do look really good in transitions. Uh, they're not really seeking to control the game necessarily. From what I can tell, it seems a bit quicker than that. What I would say is that the moments where they've stepped off and, and conceded goals or dropped off, they've come from a noticeable drop in intensity. Um, so although they are really fit, how long you can sustain an intensity and also whether they can get the hang of not conceding a goal when they're not doing that, that would obviously be quite handy. But um, it, it is interesting how it does seem to be, certainly in these two games so far, that bit different from a team that David Wagner was still coaching for six months of last season. Yes, yeah, so I just wrote down drop-offs, actually, because um, I'd sort of noticed that. Are you finding that it a bit boring? <laughs> Standard is dropping off after four years of doing this. Um, but yeah, the, absolutely, the positives, plans. We, there are clear plans. Um, one thing that we levelled at Dean Smith was that, although he would change the way we played against certain opponents, it wasn't obviously always clear what he was trying to do and because it wasn't particularly effective. Whereas Wagner across Holland, Southampton, you did see sort of variations on the theme of being very aggressive and transitions. It was more trying to dominate the ball against Hull. Couldn't do that against Southampton because it's Russell Martin, Southampton. So we were happy to not dominate the ball, let them have possession, but was still aggressive in trying to, to win it back. So, so far, those two plans have been effective, which is really, really great to see. Like there's a plan A and a sort of a really good variation on that plan A, which is sort of relatively familiar to our success under uh, Farker as well. Um, I would say, yeah, the drop-offs in intensity is when we look sort of most open, but I guess teams don't really reach peak fitness until sort of December time anyway, generally. Um, so I think there is fitness to come. One concern, I guess, is the midfield is functioning really well at the moment, but it is there is a slight lack of depth in that midfield area, I think. So those drop-offs could impact the most important part of the pitch. But really, it's been just great to see. And scoring goals and creating chances, whether we're on the back foot or the front foot as well. So we're finding ways to create chances, which I'm sure we've all tried to forget last at uh, the end of last season, but we were not doing that. And now we are. And one thing I think uh, in my note for my, for the prediction podcast, I said I'd be moaning about Barnes and Sargent playing up front together on, rather than one of them playing together. But uh, it's been, again, very effective. Um, Barnes has played that sort of withdrawn striker role really well. As Steve says, he's used his arse to uh, outstanding effect, the best, best use of arse since Grant Holt probably at Carrow Road so far. Um, and they've linked up really well. Again, slight concern with that. If we're playing two strikers every game, do we need a fourth striker? If Barnes is injured, do we play another striker in that sort of 10 withdraw nine role or do we play a sort of Nunes in that role? So obviously early early doors, lots of questions to answer, but really, really positive. And I think the interesting point of a lot of that is I look at the squad and it does feel thinner in terms of or, uh, not as deep in quality as last season, probably, even though maybe the 11 looks like so far it's going to be capable of doing more of what David Wagner wants you just wonder if a couple of injuries out of that will will hurt him in certain positions but again we'll, we shall have to see uh Matt McNally hello Matt he got in touch on Twitter with a with a little uh message after the uh, first part of the season uh he said hi Michael Sarji Bargi for the front two nickname in terms what? of um yeah. you know we needed a That's nickname. very good it's very yeah. good isn't it um, um I yes. I was gonna go with this is not as good Josh Lee Bargent having had 
but he was having sex. It's It's a lot to be saying that out of the water. So uh... (laughs) I appreciate you still said it, to be honest, because you didn't have to, but you did. I probably shouldn't have done. uh, (laughs) (laughs) No, no, I like it. Um, uh, So really good quality of goals. Gabriel Sara's was a goal where from the moment he left his foot, I was like, that's in. You could just tell. It was such a beautiful strike. Hadn't really appreciated the quality of the build-up as well, like Josh Sargent's touch and playing it around the corner and then Gabby's sort of touches. Uh, fantastic goal. John, John Rose header, remarkable header. Um, and obviously scored a cracking goal against Hull. So real good quality goals, which as you said, we have maybe... First one as well, Michael, like that was, you know, uh, Kenny Longball, Barnes kind of bringing it down, which again would not have happened last season. God love Pookie, but that wasn't his game. Playing it out to Stacey, great cross and Sergeant. You know, I love that goal. It's just a, just a good team move. That's very true. And Jack Stacey, we'll, we'll get on to Max, I'm sure at some point, but one of the points why I think Jack Stacey brings more to the team is just his final third output is much better. You can see he's just a much better crosser of the ball. I think we've seen that in two games already, um, which isn't me saying necessarily he's a better player, but you know, we don't need to have that discussion. <laughs> There's something yet. a bit, bit maybe Steeperman-esque of, about Barnes as well, the sort of chaos and physicality he brings behind a, a number nine, which we have, haven't had since Steeperman left. So it's good to just see a bit of proper bit of physicality up in the sort of um, final third of the pitch. Indeed. Bring out like a crab celebration at some point, fans. That would really be... <laughs> Only if he's got like a person to punch each side. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, if it feels uh, like Barnes' celebration is only going to be pure screaming, isn't it? He's not a man <laughs> who will do any... It, there'll be no black backflips or anything like that with him. <laughs> he might push someone into the goal because he's done that before. Yeah, um, yeah so the, the goals why attacking-wise, having sort of doubted whether, what quality they would have going forwards. So far, so good, definitely. Defensively... You know, a fair few goals conceded. You know, it's not. I I did ask David Wagner about that uh, in the press conference ahead of Southampton, and kind of felt bad because it probably felt like I was nitpicking. Like, like, you know, that goal you conceded, it was a bit all over the place against Hull. Um, And I mean, I kind of felt from that one that Ben Gibson maybe shouldn't have ran sort of behind him because he cut it off, cutted, cut off uh, Duffy's only passing lane. But then David basically said, "No, no, no, it's definitely Shane Duffy's fault because you don't." kick it against someone who's in the way <laughs> all right fair enough i've got a personal <laughs> center back in the hand um and then of course we had the ridiculous from shane duffy which i still i mean i love that he tried to argue that it wasn't a penalty but I, d- I don't think any push was bad enough in his back to you know have his hand in front of his head and punch the ball um uh the other goal was a bit sloppy i thought shay adams strike was good and then we had the penalty at the end which yes i know it was slightly soft and maybe blah 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 but i mean it was a penalty in my view um but i'm happy to take uh other oh dan's just put out a great face of absolutely of course it wasn't a penalty michael you idiot exactly what i was about to say yeah why not why not yeah well because so Yanulis is trying to get around the side of him and he yeah. steps right across to him and just falls to the ground under zero contact. If I did well, that it wasn't, to it you, wasn't Michael... Zero. It wasn't zero contact, was it? He <laughs> pushed him in the back. We're both Didn't quite slight men. He didn't push huh? him in the back, though, did he? <laughs> we're bo- me and you are both very slight men and even we wouldn't go down under that sort of contact. I think you would have done. Have you seen how many times Grant Hanley has fallen over to win a free kick? Yeah, and that's absolutely wonderful. <laughs> and neat, but very, very rarely should they actually be free kicks, though. I, th- I think there's one view from behind the goal where it probably looks like he's just fallen over. And I think the view from behind the play 
you can see that uh, where he also looks like he's just Walker Peters steps in front because he knows Dimmy's coming and Dimmy doesn't stop because he's no breaks even though that's not what no breaks means but it's quite a funny (laughs) joke in this instance and it it, you know you just don't just don't don't run into the back of him even if you're not really touching well but no but they've got there's got to be some sort of you know you can't you've got to engage in the box so I don't buy that the idea that he shouldn't just shouldn't do that means just give him a clear run at goal then there's got to be some level there's a level of contact that's allowed in football yeah that's uh, why you have defenders to engage in, that's why you have defenders in front of the you know between the goal and the player normally helps <laughs> what what's your view steve um god i feel like i'm going to massively uh, cop out of this one because i think it's one that i if if it, it's not getting overturned by VAR, right? If VAR is in that situation, I, d- I don't think they would overturn it. If it didn't get g- given, I don't think it gets overturned. If VAR is there, it's almost like your umpire's call to to go back to mm-hmm. the cricketing analogy. Um, I would be probably more annoyed at the no breaks kind of just uh, like deciding to career towards Walker Pete. I, I don't know. I just felt like he didn't need to go in at that force. I don't know. Like personally, I can see why it was given um but yeah interesting anomaly and this is not a agenda against norwich city thing of the last 20 penalties in our games norwich have only had three of them so this i was gonna say this is the point i would make i I think it's over eager from dimmy and i think that causes the like 90 percent of the issue if it happens boot on the other foot and someone goes into a Norwich player in the box, I would then expect it to be given. <laughs> so uh, I think I, I, I think I, I would. Not, yeah, I yeah, think that's I the thing. I'm not going to come on in four weeks' time and say, "Oh, he's gone down too easily in the box." You know, if, if someone does that, <laughs> I, I genuinely wouldn't. It should be should be given. <laughs> but, you know, that's just like anything. I just give my view, and that was my view. And Dan, you're allowed to disagree with me. That's fine. Um, <laughs> uh, we we we're doing man of the matches, aren't we, uh, for this season, Dan? Yes, we are. We're uh, we're whoever if we've watched the game, the five five of us who are sort of the mainstays of this podcast are uh, then delivering our own personal man of the matches at the end of each match, with the idea that at the end of the season we anoint uh, an OTB player of the season. So organised, amazing. Well, I, I can tell you, I... I've, ta- I've taken on Steve's spreadsheet mantle and have, yep. uh, and have started collating. We're going to compare spreadsheets after the after the pod. Get us get our spreadsheets out. <laughs> we're not going to read them all out on on here, but the, the, I just wanted to say we are going to do that. So we'll probably refer to it over the course of the season. And Dan, you can have mine now. Yes, uh, please. Which for Southampton, was can I guess? Gab- can I guess? Gabriel Sarah. Oh, sorry. Did you want to guess? guess. <laughs> Who are you going to guess? <laughs> it was going to be Sarah. The thing I would say though, and I think I think in the end I gave it to gave it to Gabby against Hull as well. Um, but I think that's because it that, that's I'll just check my spreadsheet. <laughs> that's off the back of him, probably only playing well for about 60 minutes. Like he still seems to be disappearing in the second half, and you know that he's not had much preseason. So he's probably not at full pelt yet. But his 60 minutes have probably still been him being the best player on the pitch. And I, I can confirm you did give it to Sarah at uh, Hull as well. There we go. Which I did watch in full. So is Sarah leading the uh, OTB player? Are we allowed to to divulge who's? I'd, who I'd say we probably shouldn't do this every week, but he is he is an early leader, but certainly not a blanket leader, though. Well, of course, um, one thing that would uh, scupper this a little bit 
is uh, if he disappeared. Because <laughs> he, he Well, I don't know. Having... He's still got enough time to get a few more one of the matches in and I, maybe I, sustain I, that, even if he leaves at, uh, at the end of this month. I think if he knew that he was leading the uh, OTB player of the season run, he'd, he'd be going nowhere. He's not, he's not going gonna, gonna to want to stick around to pick up that title at the end of the season, surely. He, uh, he, he looks at a, at, a, at a very high level compared to everyone else on the pitch so far, and he has done mm-hmm. on both games. Uh, is anyone worried that he won't be here come the closure of the transfer window? It would it would have to be a mammoth bid now, wouldn't it? Because we, it feels like we know after Max's departure, we and Rashid's likely departures that we don't have to sell him. And sure, you'd like to think the sort of balance in between needing a bit of money. Um, we'll get lots of money if we get promoted to the Premier League. We need Sarah to get promoted to the Premier League. Surely on that difficult equation, we would keep him at this stage, surely. And, and I think he is so pivotal to our chances this season that it would be kind of like, it would go down so badly if they got rid of him. I mean, you know, Nunez is, uh, it would, would be an adequate replacement, I guess, but it just it, he's not going to have anywhere near the impact. I mean, Sarah is, from the first two games, kind of running it, really. And I think... It's probably no coincidence that we've, like, like you said, he's he's kind of dropped off a little bit in second halves of games, you know, from a very high level. No coincidence that we've probably been better in the first half of both games um, so far. I I just think it would be it would be madness to sell. But I, I mean, what would be a what would be an offer that's too good to turn down? I mean, let's say they were, let's say West Ham or Brentford or someone coming with twenty million pounds. Like, are they gonna? Are they going to turn that down? I, you, you'd like to think that they would, and just say we're not we're not even um, entertaining bids right now. Um, but I don't know. Everyone's got their price, right? Well, you, I suppose. You would like? Would you not like to think that if someone's offering that amount money now, they'll offer that in January and next this time next year? That would be. I, th- I think my point would be that Stuart Webber and Norwich City recently have not wanted to do late business like this unless they've really planned for it. And I think if Andrew left and Jerome Obama Deli got an offer, I got the impression that it was part of their plan to sell him if an offer came in. Obviously, so far, there's been nothing uh, proper anyway. Um, so they've probably got a plan to replace him. I, I feel like maybe Gabby is not so necessary. I think if something had, if there'd been genuine interest at the start of the window, I think they would have been ready for that. But I think now it's probably, probably too late. But I think um, it would also depend on how much they really do need the money, which is probably something only about six or seven people know. Um, so we, we would find out. Uh, probably the interesting thing there is that James Ward-Prowse joined West Ham from Southampton now for £30 million. So it's not going to be more than £30 million, is it? Because mm-hmm. someone in the Premier League is probably not going to value Gabby at more than that. So I don't know. Uh, it's not gonna, he's not going to go for 12 million quid, is he? Let's put it like that. So, um, well, unless they're really strapped for cash, but let's hope not. Uh, so there we go. Cool. Well, I tell you what, let's move on to things we are not going to talk about, or as it's probably going to become this season, things that have happened since we were last on that we're not going to talk about, <laughs> but we probably should mention. Um, I'm happy to take uh, com- your, uh, the comments and questions from those watching live as well. So I don't know what there is about at the moment on that. Uh, but of course, Max Aaron's is no longer an Irish player. He has gone to Leeds. Oh, no, no, no. He's gone to Bournemouth. Um, uh, Southampton were interested as well, but they'd already been told, now I'm going off to rejoin Herr Farker. And then uh, he, he, you know, I, you know, I was going to make a joke that I'm not going to do it. And then he went to Bournemouth instead because they came in last minute and offered Premier League football. So, um, you know, 
I think that's worked out pretty well for everyone, really. I'd have said 7 million quid initially could rise to 12, depends on the add-ons. It's probably what I wasn't going to be anywhere above 10 initially. I thought that was pretty clear for a player with one year left on his contract. Gets to play Premier League football. He played one fantastic ball forward in the game against West Ham. I saw it like, oh, hello, Max. That's a, that's a great, that would have been a great assist. Um, so, you know, good luck to him, yeah? Everyone's happy. Yeah, and I think, let's let's be fair here. Um, we gave Timu a, a right good send-off and Emi Buendia. I think, I think we need to recognise just how good Max Ahrens was and has been for the last five Four, five, five seasons, five seasons, five, um, five years, yeah. and just how extraordinary it was. And we would have mentioned it before, but coming in that team, into that team that was not doing well, not a winning team when he came in for that uh, his first ever league start at Portman Road as an eighteen-year-old. Um, you know, I'm not saying he was the reason behind our turnaround, but you know, he he came in as an eighteen-year-old and basically looked like he'd been playing there for years and years. Um, I had a little, you know, just to look back, and he after that league debut, he played in a, he started in one hundred and forty-six of the next one hundred and fifty games. Um, uh, obviously, a brilliant partnership with with Emmy. And in his first two championship seasons, he played eighty-six matches, won fifty-five, drew twenty-one, and lost just ten. I mean, obviously, in two really really good teams. But he was at that level just just brilliant. And I think in I've been going for 20 years now and we've had some very good right backs in that time. I, I think Max is right up there, if not. I, I think I think there's maybe a bit of revisionism because Stacey's come in and looked so good. And, and I think he's probably plateaued where he could have kicked on or maybe we expected him to kick on. And he hasn't maybe done that in the way that we would have hoped. But I think under the right manager, I think he's been a victim a little bit like Pookie was of... Uh, change of manager meaning change of system um, and him not maybe having the attributes that um, we're looking for in a Wagner team or a Smith team um, but I could I see him doing well in the Premier League I see him being a good player for Bournemouth um, and I think he will I think he will be there for a few years um, I don't think it'll be a Jamal Lewis situation where um, things kind of go south because he's not kind of doesn't suit the style of play I, th- I think he will um, he will do well at Bournemouth and as and and I and also just to finally add has been a total model professional. Like he could have thrown his toys out of the pram a year or two ago, but um, has has been nothing but professional ever since. So um, I hope he gets when he does eventually come back to like Carrera, really really good reception because he thoroughly deserves it. Well, yeah, well said. Uh, and just to add to that, I'm very glad he's he didn't end up going to Leeds under Farker. Not because <laughs> it would it wouldn't have been lovely to have that reunion, but I think he needed that new coach a new coach sort of de- develop him now and I think going back to Farker wouldn't have been great for his development um there wouldn't have been new tricks to learn under the same coach so to go to a, you know a Premier League club under a new coach hopefully he will you know kick on as we all thought he would even though I think I agree he has sort of plateaued slightly he's still been such a consistently excellent performer um when he came in I think I just I was trying to remember I think we we'd played Pinto, Ben Marshall, maybe Paslak at right back at the start of that season. And he just came in at Portman Road and looked like he belonged and uh, with his little angry face running up and down the <laughs> touchline, which I absolutely loved. And he's been outstanding. And just a little word on the sort of academy recruitment to sell both Aaron's and 
uh, Jamal Lewis for something well might rise to like 27 million or something between the two of them is pretty impressive work and well done Luton Town for uh, giving the both of them to us. Yes, quite indeed. It was a great piece of academy recruitment back in 2016. That was. I think the thing about Max is it just is that his consistency. I remember speaking to him, you know, within a few months of him breaking through, and he was already sort of desperate to have consistent performances that were reliable. The guy was always available. And I think the way he carried the ball, just fantastic uh, contributions he made to all of those teams. And he's just such a great lad as well. I spoke to him a few occasions and it's just brilliant. I, I do I do hope that we get to see him now kick on. That's what I'd like to see him because, as I said, I think there was a there was kind of a window of where Max operated and other players sort of excelled beyond it and other players sort of dropped miles below it. And Max was there, sort of Mr. Consistent. And um, it'll be really interesting to see where he his sort of capability is now at at Bournemouth under um, Iriola, who's you know really innovative, interesting coach. So uh, good luck to Max. We'll all be watching and hoping he does really well. I do feel a bit sorry for him because he did play in the game that Tamu Pukki played in, and most people were sort of saying that was going to be Max's last pretty much. And no one bad <laughs> an eyelid. So he hasn't really had a good bye. So um, I'm sure at some point he'll, uh, you know, Norwich get promoted. He can come back to Cairo next season and well, saying everything will be great and you know the rest of that. So that's grand. Um, Tim Krul could be off. So he's been linked with Luton today. Don't think know quite how likely that is. Not sure, but Luton seemed to be in the market for a backup goalkeeper, probably. So, you know, being a Premier League backup goalkeeper is possibly better than a Championship backup goalkeeper. Uh, but that, so far, Luton have been linked with Tim Krul and John Ruddy. So if anyone could think of any other Norwich City, former Norwich City goalkeepers or current who might fancy that move uh, that could be linked with... Uh, David Marshall, is he still playing? He is. He's... Uh, oh, no, he is somewhere. He burn. Is he at Hibs? He's, got, he's, he's in Scotland, Hibs. isn't he? Yeah, yeah. I think he's at Hibs at the moment. Um, yeah. So there we go. Um, on, on Tim Krull, actually, during the whole game, uh, it did strike me that, you know, players move on, songs change, etc. But when people started singing Johnny, Johnny Rowe <laughs> yeah. with Tim Krull still on the bench, that's, yeah. that did feel particularly cruel, that did. <laughs> like the poor guys sat there thinking, well, they've already forgotten about me then. That's, that's <laughs> Once you've lost your song, what else do you do? Initially, I think they're trying to probably pricked up thinking they were singing about him, but uh, yeah, yeah, sadly yeah, not. Exactly. I think John Rowe's got another song as well, but I don't know if it's got all the words to it. And everyone's been too far away for me to actually... Listen out for that one. But anyway, um, anything else? Any anything else in the comments that people are asking about, Steve? Um, Mark King asks. I know a little bit early on this evening. Or do you think we're likely to see any more new signings before the window shuts? I mean, I would be inclined to agree with Dan that I would like to see another striker, maybe on loan from the Premier League. We're not going to spend any money or commit to anything. I think feel that we could be light there with uh, if we um, get an injury. And Lee Coates has says. Think we need, as I said, think we need a CDM, so central defensive midfielder. Just I mean, I, I, I agree, but um, no one else in the club seems to think so. So why bother? Um, I also, I mean, I asked David Wagner about the centre back situation. He seems quite relaxed about that as well. I mean, as again, it's different. I think if someone leaves from the squad as it is, but um, while no one does, I don't think they'll do anything. It, it will be interesting against QPR in the Carabao Cup. Remember, remember we're playing that uh, on Wednesday. <laughs> if Kenny doesn't play, which I assume he, he won't do, who plays the Kenny role in that formation? And, you know, obviously Sarah has been, they've been pivoting a little bit more 
Um, but what you wouldn't want to do is have Kenny injured and Sarah having to play that role and then losing out on the creativity further up the pitch. So who is earmarked, earmarked for that? Cernson's obviously injured and probably has not the passing range of Kenny. Gibbs, Wagner was reluctant to play him deep last season. Um, hopefully maybe he's become, you know, got a bit more physical throughout the summer. At uh, that, that age, you can grow pretty quickly. But yeah, quite interested to see who replaces Kenny in that role because that's such a pivotal role for the way uh, Wagner's team plays. Yeah, completely agree. Obviously, it's a bit of a blow there that Jakob Sørensen is uh, is still injured and will be for a little bit um, as well by the sounds of it. Uh, cool, that's a grand one. Um, what else was I going to bring up? Uh, Zoe Weber has done an interview with Talk Norwich City. The boys got um, a good chat with Zoe, so that's grand. Catch that if you wish to hear from her. Um, well done, lads. So, yeah, that's good. Um, yeah. One, one thing we can't talk about is our third kit because we've not seen it yet, which seems a bit odd. No, it's true. Now, there is going to be one. There has to be one because that's going to be the women's team's change strip because they won't have the green one. And apparently uh, the women are playing Cambridge United soon or a team soon that they will need to play their change kit in. So I'm thinking that would be a pretty good time to launch it because then you can say the women's team are going to wear it first. How exciting. Nice. Uh, so there you go. That is my theory. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's what I would do. Uh, it doesn't mean that anyone I can, well, I can tell you they don't listen to me anymore. Or they probably didn't in the first place. So uh, I don't know, but we'll see how that all pans out. Um, but yeah, I don't know what color it is or anything. How exciting. You, you can say it was all your idea. So it's uh, <laughs> win-win. Wouldn't dream of that. Um, um any others? I, well, I wanted to add that um, we haven't mentioned the fact that uh, Christian Fasnacht has uh, has opened his account. I don't, he hasn't done an awful lot other than ta- uh, tuck that one away. But um, yeah, you, you're just... right. You're right. Um, and it was a complete howler of a mistake at the point when Southampton had 10 players on the pitch and there'd been a bit of a break. So maybe switched off. But um, Fasnacht's sort of ability to be in that position uh, it was actually a really good run. And in fact, Dimmy's ball wasn't great because it was completely overhit and went beyond him because he could have just played him in. Um, but that, that to me, he's clearly a very intelligent player and a genuine goal threat because he got into that position to be freely available for the ball anyway. Uh, and he took it first time, didn't have to take a touch, loved it, just rifled it straight in the bottom corner. It was great. And... I think that picture of him wheeling away to celebrate is already one of the pictures of the season. I love that picture. I don't know if it was Matt Usher at the club or whether it was from Paul Chesterton. I can't remember exactly which one. Maybe they've got the same picture because they're in the same place. I don't know. But it's just that point where he wheels away. His face is just like, yeah. It, re- it was such very a big moment for him to settle in. Mark Robbins-esque, that celebration. Mm. It reminded me of. Um, it's really, he, he'll be starting soon, you'd think. Well, on Wednesday, Wednesday, probably. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I, I think I, I, one thing I have noticed from this season is that the, the wide players, particularly Rowe and Fasnacht, have been a lot narrower and I yeah. think ought to contribute a few. And, and I think that is partly because Stacey is more inclined to get up and down the line, whereas Max preferred to cut in. Um, but I think we may, I mean, I, I think Fasnacht will get a run at some point, but um I agree with you, Michael. Like, I think that he, he looks like he's got a goal threat about him. I mean, he took that really quite well, actually. Like, I know it looked like an easy chance, but he, he buried it really nicely. So, um, yeah, I mean, and he's not even not even in the starting line. So it's, it's, it's exciting. 
And just to add one more bit of positivity, and I don't want, don't mean to start the one man um, Yanulis fan club, but as a as a guy who's blown very hot and cold, and often too cold for us in at left back, and I thought it was a problem position going into this season. He's actually put together two really good uh, performances in that position, uh, both defensively and uh, going forward. And he seems to like uh, Stacey really suit. Um, the way that Wagner wants our fullbacks really high this season. I, I, I totally agree with that point. However, I'm, I'm, clapping, I'm clapping the point. I still think Dimmy, Dimmy will do Dimmy things. And I would argue that maybe the first goal, he doesn't really do a lot of closing down of that cross from Walker-Peters. And then I still, I still kind of think maybe don't do that in the penalty area in the 94th minute, whatever it is. <laughs> But again, it is the championship. I'm also yeah. clapping that point. A <laughs> yeah. uh, little, uh, little, little insight. I mean, having given Sarah man of the match for the two games, Dimmy would have been next. But in each game, yeah. he sort of yeah. did something where I was like, I can't give it to him. And yes, one of them was conceding the penalty. Um, we uh, we right. did have a man of the match for Dimmy at Hull, by, but oh, not yeah? by one of us three, but by one of our other staples. Well, no, don't <laughs> name any names. So he's impressing others as well. I <laughs> love it. Good old Dimmy. Right, I tell you what then, let's uh, crack on, um, shall we, with a bit of this. This is almost fantasy football. Nothing screams fantasy football like the championship. Although first up, of course, for Norwich coming up is uh, the uh, trip to QPR in the first round, delayed by a week for Norwich and QPR, of the Carabao Cup. Bristol City away awaits the victor. <laughs> what a carrot that is. Uh, so that's exciting. Um, uh, slight revelation here. Revelation here. We're not going to do another one of these podcasts until next month. <laughs> so uh, just so you all know, for various reasons. Um but uh, coming up then after the QPR game, Norwich have a visit from <laughs> a visit from Millwall on Sunday. Then they're going to Huddersfield, and then they, I think, host Stoke. And there's Rotherham in there, isn't there as well? Have I think Rotherham. Rotherham I think they might go Huddersfield away, and then Rotherham away, and then I think it might be international break, and then Stoke. Tell me okay. if I'm wrong. So basically, right. I've written those all down wrong, but that's fine. They got all those teams. Basically, it's not a bad run, is it? Coming up, if you know, if you were looking at that. And looking at the championship start so far, you'd think, okay, okay, 136 point train. <laughs> um, it's uh, I'll tell you what it is. is It's a physical run coming up, isn't it? In the league, Millwall, uh, Huddersfield, Rotherham. And one thing that was noticeable against Hull, wasn't at the Southampton game, but at, you know, live at Hull, at Carroll against Hull, was that we looked much bigger than them. Uh, and yeah. My God, it's probably since the Lambert era, maybe, maybe Alex Snill's Wembley season where we've actually looked properly physical, looked like we can properly compete, you know, but obviously you can look big and not compete. So it'd be interesting actually yes. over these, <laughs> over these That's my three, football career right there. <laughs> <laughs> over these uh, three Lex League games, you know, and we did pretty well against um, against these sides last season. So it's interesting to see if that physicality is going to make the difference. And what you really want with this physicality is really that to give get you the ball and then to be able to sort of dominate the ball. Um, so it'd be good to see if that happens. Um, QPR-wise, as I said, interesting to see who plays the Kenny role. Interesting to see if we go with two strikers and or if we go with a, like, more of a number 10. Interesting to see if Caelan Fisher gets a start as well in the cup, which uh, would be nice to see. I mean, it's, it's an interesting point. They are definitely a bigger side now, Norwich. And then 
that probably helps when everyone goes and marks everyone at a corner and John Rowe is in the middle of the penalty area with no one near him because he was probably by a distance the smallest player in an Norwich shirt on the pitch. And then yeah. he puts in a brilliant header like that. So there's probably counterbalances and, and things that help, um, you know, with that all round. Um, you know, what, what, before the international break, Steve, I, you know, and if we look across the championship as well, these are all sides that have sort of had a, well, I say it's only two games, so who knows, but no one's like, you know, flying um, other than Ipswich. Yeah, I think I, they've already won it. Actually, I don't know if they yeah. maybe check that. Check I mean, that. yeah, it does feel like we we are playing for for second now, but um, that's fine. Yeah, we can we can join them. We can join them in Premier League hopefully next year. Um, I I feel like maybe we have a tendency to underestimate Millwall because we beat them twice last year, uh, but they did finish above us. And um, I yeah, I, I kind of echo Dan's point. Really, like I feel although although like they have been two different styles Hull and um, Southampton so far they're both kind of two progressive managers who I think wanted to play with the ball on the floor and weren't going to be kind of like all right then break us down Hull were a little bit like that but also were a bit crap and not very well organized but uh, so I think a run of Ainsworth, Rowett and Warnock will (laughs) thoroughly blow that out the water and I think it will be a different test like the cup game like who really cares like i almost rather we didn't have to go to Ashton Gate on a Tuesday night. So I don't, it'd be nice to see us play well. But the two league games will be a, a different kind of test to what we've faced so far, I think. I think Southampton away, brilliant point. But they are, I think if we're playing that counter-attacking style, you couldn't really ask for a better opponent in some ways than one that wants to play with a high line and keep keep the ball. Millwall won't be like that. Huddersfield won't be like that. I think I think we know that much. Um so I'll be really interested to see if we can kind of play that way in a game where we might have to unlock teams. Um because that is where I would slightly say from an attacking perspective we might be a bit weaker. Um but who knows maybe we'll maybe we'll turn it on again and as Dan says the physicality that we've got now means that we should be able to compete with these teams better than we have done um in the past. Uh, um, we always beat Mill, so yeah. Uh, can we say a genuine? We're a threat from set pieces now. Uh, uh, can we move it up to genuine threat from set pieces? Well, I feel like when it goes towards Duffy's head, I have I have a, the kind of slight belief that it might go in. Whereas with Hanley, I know it's always <laughs> going to balloon into sort of row N or something like that. So, well, let's let's wait until the sample grows a little bit beyond uh, two games. But yes, indeed. Um, Brilliant. Uh, okay, well, that that's all going for that. Uh, Kenny, other business? Anyone got anything else they want to bring up or any other questions, Steve, that, uh, or comments to the... Um, I mean, I don't know if this is sort of apropos of anything, but the Ratchers says, one question that I've always wondered, do the Norwich players have work email? Great, great question. That's I don't know if you've... Question. Have you, have you got any, any insight? Do they have, uh, do they have Microsoft Teams meetings? Well, Dan will probably... Um, I bet there is one. They do have emails. They they do not have access to it though. So they're set up, and so if someone, so there'll be there people at the club who will check it for them, but they don't have access to it because you know God knows what they get sent. (laughs) (laughs) There's always someone who can work out the template of someone's email from their company (laughs) they work for. So, great question. Love that one. Um, Well, I haven't got any any other business other than uh, his record-breaking 15-second yellow card. Uh, 15 seconds, fantastic lunge on Will Smallbone. Um, I mean, it was 15 seconds uh, at the point at which Darren England 
put up the yellow card. So the, the tackle itself was a good, you know, two or three seconds before that. I think it's the, the quickest yellow card in the championship since Opta started recording the stats, which was like 2013-14. Wow. So there you go. And nice. Kenny the captain now as well. And yeah. uh, still unbeaten. So <laughs> good old Kenny. He's doing a great turn. Uh, right. Well, in that case, I think I'm going to call it time, if that's all right, for this edition of On the Ball, the Norwich City podcast. There's always loved lots of added time. If you're yet to do so, make sure you subscribe via your podcast player of choice. The pod is available free for everyone on your usual player. And we stream the recording of the podcast live in video form on my social media channels. Have a search and I'm sure you'll find them. Ratings and reviews wherever prompted are always hugely appreciated. And if you want to get in touch with any questions or topic proposals, sling me a direct message, just like Matt McNally did on Twitter, at Michael J. Bailey. A big thanks to our wonderful duo this evening. Dan, have a lovely rest of your week and month. (laughs) You too, Michael. Thanks very much. (laughs) Oh, thank you. Steve, you do that as well. You have a great August, Michael. Really hope that for you. What a great month, hey? Um, We will be back um, next month. Yes, indeed. Uh, Until then, never mind the danger.